Hi, and welcome to Talking With Cancer. I'm Katie. And I'm Claire. Thanks for joining us today. So grab a coffee or a tea. In your favourite mug. Let's get settled down and begin this week's conversation. Hi, Katie. Hi, Claire. How are you doing? How are you feeling? What's this week been like? Well, this week, because I can never remember where we left off. Sorry, doll. Don't worry. We left off and I think you'd spoken to, or following your meeting from Popper, there was maybe the discussion of possible surgery. I don't know if you've got an answer on that yet. Possible or... surgery and I'm waiting to speak to Prof Kim, who right. sounds like an absolute dude. Another one to throw in the mix. Another Can't Royal Marsden hero. Certainly. Okay. Yeah. But I did actually have some heart news this week. It's never, <laughs> never a week goes by without a little bit of blood taken out of my veins. Oh, okay. Literally, I can't remember when I didn't have a blood test, but my heart's been being checked. I think I mentioned that, didn't I? Yeah. And it's good news. Mm-hmm. So lowering the ontrectinib and giving me half the dosage as well of this heart pill, candesartan, which is trying to strengthen my heart, but could have been lowering my blood pressure a bit as well, which led to a bit dizzy head. Mm. But basically that combination has worked and the results, I had an echo and ECG on Wednesday, a couple of days ago, and then a follow-up with my cardiologist. And he said, Katie, it's good news. Your heart is in a better place. It's not like 100%, but come on. Yeah, come on. That's fine. We'll work with what we've got. Yeah, yeah. And he said, you are fit for surgery. So that's That's really good. That's amazing. Okay. And he said, you know... Like, I'm really pleased with, with, with the outcome and where you're at, at the moment. I've still got the inflama- inflammation, mm. which I'm taking colchicine, which is an anti-inflammatory, but that's a sort of separate thing, potentially COVID-related. Oh, right, OK. But that will take a while to kind of, you know, bounce back. It's doing what it needs to do. The Brilliant. inflammation, anti-inflammatory is working. So that's the news on me, but we're not really here to talk about me, are we, Claire? Well, we are. <laughs> well, because we're here to talk about our main guest star of the week. So I had the great... Well, real privilege, actually, and I know that word's bandied about, but it was absolutely wonderful to get to speak to Dinch, Casey's husband, this week. So, yeah, I think, do we just begin that interview? Me chatting to Dinch and finding out his perspective on what this has been like for him, what your journey's been like for him. I think so. I think over to Claire and Dinch. Yak Shamla. Yak Shamla. Merhaba. <laughs> Your Turkish is way better than Katie's Turkish. I always told you that, right? That's the entirety of my Turkish. Oh no, but Sinasasin. Sinasasin? I mean, like I said, you're far, <laughs> far, still far advanced than Katie. <laughs> uh, I mean, seriously. <laughs> it's, it, oh. That's all I can speak, though. That's it. That's the length of my, my, my Turkish knowledge. <laughs> that's good enough. Okay, guess me by. It's a polite introduction. So, <laughs> Dinch, thank you so much for taking the time um, to do this and for fitting me into your, as I know you're aware at the moment, so fitting me into your schedule. I appreciate it. Mm. And I guess, well, I've been talking to Katie for a while now, but we've heard about you, but we've mm. never heard from you. Mm. So we know that you're Katie's husband and you mm. guys got married three, <laughs> yeah. three, four years ago? Three? We are three, I mean, yeah, three years. Three years ago. And uh, yeah, we are together more, more like, longer than that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, longer than more, four, like four plus years, but plus we are years married since last three years. Yeah. yeah. And and so that's a little bit of, of, of your guys' sort of history. And I I guess, yeah, we, I've heard a lot from Katie about, you know, what the, what this experience has been like from her and heard from Katie sort of mm-hmm. what this has been like. Well, not really what this has been like for you, but your mm-hmm. approach to her diagnosis and your ability to follow all the, you know, all the medical, the very medical side of this. And I just wanted to find out 
this must be such a hard thing for you watching mm-hmm. someone you love mm-hmm. go through this and i mm-hmm. and i wanted to find out from you what that was like in the run-up to katie getting her diagnosis what that was like for you not knowing yeah through katie i think i was i was kind of facing my biggest fear i was always like kind of like ocd with the cancer Mm-hmm. And I was so scared of cancer mm-hmm. and constantly <laughs> getting myself like regularly checked up that okay. rather than knowing, I would rather know earlier yeah. mm-hmm. that I can react. And that was the thing, but it was all, always about myself, mm-hmm. right? And uh, I always thought something like that can hit me or somewhere at one point in life, but never ever imagined that's going to be someone closest to me. One of the closest person to me. I never imagined that. Yeah. But I think what I felt was when this cough, nonstop cough, was going on for the last three, four months, I was really getting upset with Katie in a way that why she's not seeing someone. Yeah. Why she's not why she's delaying that. Because maybe the I don't know the cultural difference. Maybe I don't know. This is the NHS culture mm-hmm. as well. Like, don't come to us until really something happens. Like yeah. It's more reactive rather than proactive. Proactive, yeah. And honestly, when the lymph node on the neck appeared during Christmas time, it was inside. It was always my understanding, okay, there's maybe an infection going on with the cough. Mm-hmm. But the cough getting really so annoying now, and I feel now I have really PTSD from the cough. If really? Like, Kate, yeah, like if Katie now coughs even for something else or even... <laughs> In the flight from London to Dallas, if you hear someone, somebody else coughing, someone was coughing in mm. constantly during the flight. And honestly, the one thing crossing my mind is something really okay. Is, is this? Yeah. I mean, what is wrong do, with this person? Do I need to tell them to maybe go and get checked <laughs> out? That's kind of what must go yeah, through your was head. Like the, it's yeah. like this guy's cough kind of was triggering PTSD, connecting yeah. me to Katie's cough. Yeah. And when you say when you say PTSD, do you mean it, it kind of throws you back to that time? It like it triggers yeah, yeah. this sort of yeah. an, really deeply anxious response into what, what it could be. Yeah. yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Because that was exactly like when I look at the damage, mental damage from this period is probably yeah. that's the one thing that really stuck with me. I think the... <laughs> Sometimes I'm really getting upset with myself why I didn't really strongly force Katie to see a doctor. But when the things, like when this lymph node inside Mm. appeared also externally in January, and when I found out Katie was hiding that from me with covering her hair, Mm. I was really, there was a huge outburst from my side on her. Like, how the hell you are, I mean, what is really, it's beyond my imagination. Yeah. And I know that... There's so much fear, though, isn't there, as well, I think. And and I think that's part of this, when you you feel something that's not right, because you know your body. There's there's so much fear there around it, I guess. Claire, the one thing was, I was, like, trying to be more proactive with that. And I couldn't really understand why she's not proactive, that why she's scared with that. Mm -hmm. Now, I remember at the end of January, like early February, sorry, I had a business trip to US and when Katie finally started this um, seeing doctors mm. routine, 
yeah. or whatever cycle we call it. I felt that something was not right. Like mm-hmm. the whole whole trip, it was something here. Yeah, you like, felt it. Uh, I felt there is something not right. And I remember because I was traveling inside US. I remember the moment very well. I was in DC airport flying to Dallas when Katie called me that hey, um, they did the ultrasound on the neck, and then they look at the thyroid. The ultrasound specialist said there is something abnormal with the thyroid. Mm-hmm. My first reaction to Kato was, "Are your is your blood is okay? The blood values are okay." Mm-hmm. Because immediately I was like thinking that if there's something really cancer, yeah, it'll be picked up. The blood will be picked up in the blood. Because that was my logic because I didn't know it in that moment that actually this is not that kind of cancer some yeah. of the cancers might not appear in the blood yeah but it's a really logical first thing it's a really logical yeah, first thing, thing. yeah yeah and yeah. then i said maybe it's overworking or underworking thyroid should just be maybe. a thyroid yeah. dysfunction yeah but there was a slightest moment at the airport i remember so vividly the moment i like literally closed my eyes and i said what if this is a cancer and Claire, I think I couldn't visualize it. I was so panic attacked experience inside me. I couldn't visualize it. Your brain won't go there. Yeah. No, it didn't go there because my brain went like, come on, this is too surreal. It never happens to us. We only see this in the movies or we see in this kind of cancer charity commercials or that kind. And I immediately shut down. Immediately shut down. But (laughs) I never thought that. Yeah. After that experience, when I learned, that was a very unfortunate thing. I came from that trip back mm-hmm. and I need to fly again to Madrid yeah. for a business trip. And but on the day that I was consciously waiting for Katie's appointment results, yeah. doctor appointment results, I was like, the whole day was like, um, I was not there mentally. Yeah. Physically, yeah, I was yeah, there yeah, mentally yeah, yeah. because I was expecting something. You're suspended it, between two realities, aren't you? Because you know that... What you've known isn't necessarily going to be what you know at the end of the day. Your world exactly. changes in a day. Yeah, yeah. I remember that evening in Madrid, I learned the news from Katie on the phone. And I never forget that moment. And um, and the, the worst part was that I couldn't fly back yeah. that night. I was stuck in Madrid because there was no flight. And I need to spend in a hotel trying to really understand what's going on. Yeah, and to be by yourself and have to yeah, process that on uh, your own, and for you both not to be together and having to deal with that physically oh, apart like, must have been uh, awful. Now I remember this mom. It's really um, difficult, even when I yeah. remember that. But the funny thing is, <laughs> there is no funny thing. But funny thing is that human human beings adaptability. Yeah, like I was never able to even say the c word. I cannot like I couldn't even say it because of my like I feel so scared of that etc. Right? Because you were always worried about it. Because exactly. you were always worried always, about it. Always yeah. because this is something that out of my control kind yeah. of thing. Like human being has always this thing is I want to be on the top of the things. Yeah. I want to I yeah. want to clear up uncertainty yeah. as much as possible, uncontrollable as much as possible. Yeah. But you know that you cannot control this. Yeah. And I think the first five weeks of the diagnosis. <laughs> I mean, the acceptance, trying to understand it, learning about it, and all these kind of things. I couldn't believe myself first, mm-hmm. and then I couldn't believe Katie as, as well, that how we adapted first the word itself, the cancer. This is the first thing you realize, the, the adapting yourself to the word, to be mm-hmm. able to say to, it. Yeah. 
And then you realize that once something happens to you or someone closest next to you, it's a very different experience. It's not like I'm not expecting anyone to understand what myself, not what Katie or myself going through in terms of feelings, mm. because you, there is no way you can understand no, it until you're in it. Seriously, yeah. and this is this is not a critics on anyone, by the way. Yeah. This is nothing critics. Uh, it's not no, like no, no, should no. be taken. But this is exactly how it's really how it's. And I was like that. Like I told you, at the airport in DC, I couldn't even visualize. I shut down. Yeah. At that moment. Yeah. But <laughs> what I felt was I was so like this first five weeks. The diagnosis was poof. I mean, that was something unbearable, honestly. I don't know how I survived, how Katie survived, how I was functional at work. I had no idea, honestly. But the only thing that I realized at that first five weeks, you know, this was very interesting. When this happened to Katie, and at that moment, you understand Katie's circle of friends and family. Mm, yeah. How many people were trying to reach her was unbelievable. And then I felt like I shouldn't like take this responsibility to communicate those people rather than Katie constantly. But one thing told me that, like I was proudly saying, this is my wife, look at her. Like so many friends and yeah. so worried and so yeah. many. And she's a, she's a, she's a, she's a bloody giver. Yeah. She gives. Like, yeah, she, she does. Really gives she radiates. She does. Yeah. And, and then, and all with this energy and positivity. Mm. And that was like amazing, honestly. And then people do not know how to react cancer. Yeah. Yeah. Like nobody, yeah. like, there was like strange inputs from the people. And you, like, you in your mind, why the hell is asking me those questions? Can yeah. you not see or whatever? But at the end, what I found out is that, okay, I'm going to take the burden of the communication. And I found this, this beauty of WhatsApp voice notes or voice voice. Yes. Yeah. So were you communicating to Katie's friends and family or were you using voice notes to communicate to your friends and family exactly. as well? Both. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And one in yeah. Turkish and one in English. <laughs> yeah. That was yeah. the strangest part, like yeah. one in English and then... And, and, then, and this, can yeah. I say a question? And no, this is just because I'm sort of I'm interested in language. Was it easier to talk about it in English or easier to talk about in Turkish? Or, or was it harder to talk about it in Turkish or English? Which did, Or was there no difference whatsoever? <laughs> this is a very interesting point, probably. I think the interesting one is that my Turkish is still very... <laughs> informal and slang okay mm-hmm. if i talk the business english or this kind of english i i better communicate in english rather than turkish okay and for me it was it was easier to communicate in english rather than turkish right okay. because i didn't know the terms in you didn't know the terms in turkish of course no. because i guess that's what <laughs> you were saying no, all, yeah i was receiving everything um, in english in English. Yeah. But of course, with, with my parents, I need to put an extra effort <laughs> because yes. they were not getting this English word. Yeah. But what I found was interesting that, like I said, I recorded those and then I start to distribute to different people. Like rather than repeating myself, I said, okay, let's be a little bit more efficient. Let me record one. So you've done your own version of what what Katie and I have been doing, really, with the the podcast. You've you've had one chapter to rule them all that you can dispatch to everybody in a way, like one one way of doing it. Yeah. Because what I felt is that when I was recording those messages, I was listening that later on. Yeah. Like later on before. It was interesting to hear yourself how you describe it. Yeah. And it was like there's. I felt like what is the thing? The word is maybe like a self therapy. Like yes. you're in a therapy kind of yes. thing. I yeah. felt. It was like, I was feeling like, it's good that 
I am really putting this into the emotions as well. And I'm sharing that bluntly. And then hearing that back, it was interesting. Yeah, it was kind of, it was a interesting relief as well. Yeah, that you're externalizing it and that you're, exactly. you're, you're having to put it into these difficult feelings and emotions and experiences into, into words. And also importantly, sharing it. I think that's part of completing the circle. I think the interesting part was when I was listening to those messages mm. before sending, I realized one thing, how easily I start to use the cancer word. Yeah. So, so bluntly, so directly. And I couldn't really believe myself how easily I'm using this word. And that was like at that moment, like there was even not full diagnosis. And at that moment I said, wow, this is probably the adaptability of human being. Like yeah. how quickly you adapt yourself even to say the word, right? Yeah. And some of my friends, because you know that not everybody can hear even the cancer word. And then someone from the circle of friends talking so bluntly about the cancer, going yeah. to the details and everything. And then some of my friends, I need to send an additional note saying that, guys, I realized that it was too direct too blunt yeah. Yeah. and I fully understand if you don't want to receive those kind of messages from me because, because you can probably you might not hear even like listen to it because yeah. probably putting myself in their shoes if someone yeah. sends me without next to the cancer it's hard to listen yeah. to those stuff because you you don't realize it but you've been you're so many steps ahead of them in this journey and in, in getting used to this vocabulary understanding what's what's going on so I think maybe you're able to be a lot more direct. Yeah, you're mean, more, you're, you're more, you, as you say, you've adapted, you've accepted it. You're, it's part see, of your daily vocabulary now. Yeah. Claire, there's no other way. Yeah. There's no other way. If you put your head under the sand, there's no way you can deal with it. Yeah. There's no way. Emotionally, there's no way. And that's the reason I think one thing you start to realize first thing is, okay, accept it the best as you can. Accept it mm -hmm. and try to be vocal about it. Yeah. Because if you are not vocal about it, there's no way that you will even adapt to it and understand because that's the only way to understand it as well. But I think the, for me, coming from a German education system, thinking too analytical, mm -hmm. cancer is not something very analytical. It's yeah. very science-oriented, science yeah. but it's not like, okay, we do this and next thing we do this. Because I remember the questions I started to do they asked the doctors, like probably they were feeling like I'm doing root canal treatment on them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they, they were yeah. like, we don't know the next. Because yeah, you want answers and you want data. And because again, it's just like what you were saying, we try to control these things and we ask these questions so we can have some idea of what the future might might hold. And you know, and you want to know, understandably, you want to know. But as Anna Katie said, you know, the, they don't always have answers to the questions that she's asking. Right now. I think I think the one thing that I felt very difficult during this period and still, there's constant, and Katie is going through the same thing. You are constantly battling in your mind between acceptance and denial. Like, it's because it's already three and a half months, okay? We made nice progress. But at the end of the day, I remember last Monday when Katie came out of the, like, the CT scan result discussion with the doctor, with Dr. Mm. Popat. Mm. Everything was positive, honestly. Yeah. Yep, but yep. Kate was not in the mood, even what based on even what we heard, because yeah. at the end she said, "I have still cancer." Still, got, I've still got cancer, even though they've said it's under control. Yeah. I've still got cancer. It's cancer, and I think that's the part you constantly go in your mind yep. because you want to accept it, but one part you want to get rid of it. 
but you yeah. know it. You cannot get rid of it. Yeah. You need to live with it, and it's going to be struggle. Sometimes up, sometimes down, and that's the challenge. I think the other thing that I found it really difficult is, <laughs> I mean, I'm not a faith person. Mm-hmm. Okay, I mean. I mean, I can say that I'm, I'm, there is not a relation between me and God or me and religion. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have those kind of things, I mean, openly, I can say I'm, I'm atheist at the end. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. when you have that, where I'm going to, I remember myself several times, Claire, I look it up. I want to say God, and then finding myself <laughs> many mm-hmm. times, I say God, and then I say, yeah, but you don't believe him. Now, who do you want to talk to? Yeah, and who are you? Who are you talking to, Dinch? Exactly, yeah. And uh, it was like I like I was feeling like Dinch, this is too opportunistic. Like you want to talk to God, but you don't believe in God. Okay, what are you gonna talk to? Who are you gonna talk who to? Who are you now? gonna talk to? <laughs> and, but and, on that, but on that point, quite a serious point. Who have you talked to? Because I, I know, uh, like I know you've got you, you and Katie both have incredible family and friends, and I know Katie's avenues of support. And but who is who's supported? Who's been who's supported you in this as well? I think three people. I can say uh, my therapist first mm-hmm. of all. Yeah, that was definitely. The second thing is my own. GP in Turkey, who is thyroid specialist. Oh, right. Okay. Trust me, without him, probably I would not survive this period. And has he been a really helpful person to go to just when you've got he, when you've got questions and like trying he, to understand yeah. the medical side of this? Yeah. Because yeah. he's a thyroid specialist. Amazing. Okay? Wow. Well, one thing he is very good is his bedside manners is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Like positivity, like because you realize also in the health system, the doctors are doctors, but at the end, they yeah. need to know how to use the language because there's, you are not talking to objects. Yeah, this is something talking. that Katie and I have discussed many, many times, and um, and that the, choi- the choice of words is often not favorable or sensitive to the person yeah. receiving it. Yeah, and then you realize Royal Mar- Marston versus the others. Yeah. How the? I mean, it was um, like day and night. Night difference. and day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then that was it. And the third person is my father. Mm. The reason is my father is that because I was because I'm only child and I'm very close to my father because like really close. Like my father was the only one who made me aware of. Hey, don't worry, she's gonna be okay. I know this person who has beaten cancer. He didn't do any of those. Yeah. Nothing. Mm-hmm. He just listened. Mm. He just listens, but without really making, feeling or obliged to make any comment or say anything. Yeah. And then at that moment, you realize one thing. This is exactly what I need. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to talk about it, but yeah. I don't want from the other side reassurance. Yeah. Or I don't want from the other side trying to really make it simpler. Yeah. No, you don't know my case. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Katie says, you don't know me because every cancer is different, and this mm. is a rare type. It's absolutely different. Mm. And my father never said that. Hey, mm. we have this person or we have that person, and he was really more listening, active listening, yeah. but not interfering. And then you realize it, guys. I don't need to. And as some of Katie's friends, I said it because you feel like uh, you want to share some of things, mm. and they didn't understand what I said first. Yeah. What I mean. But I think these three people were the key for me and they are still key for me, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like still I talk to my father, still I talk to my doctor in Turkey mm-hmm. and still I talk to the therapist every week. That's the that's for me. The, and without trying to make too much gap in time, I'm trying to stick with the friends, my friends, because mm-hmm. when you put too much gap in time, you feel harder to explain in terms of 
the latest because you need to give because uh, things change so quickly so you, you can... feel yeah you feel exhausted yeah. where should i start where did i leave oh yeah. but i think the these are how i cope with it claire this is um how you call it the fear of death is always something mortality not accepting mortality mm-hmm. it was a part of me all the time yeah and now i never be able to accept the mortality never yeah. and if you tell me that didn't you're going to live 150 years i take it yeah, yeah of course <laughs> I, I will it. 200 I, I, give me two, 200 I, I think it's 200 yeah and then you say but after whatever things like you will be not able to walk doesn't matter even in front of tv i can sit for 20 years i yeah, take fine. it <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I, I it's think... forced you into a reckoning of your own mortality or just because yeah, yeah. through katie's mortality yeah <laughs> at the same time i'm facing katie's mortality and then at the same time i'm also you have to also face your my, own. my own mortality yeah and then one moment because i'm like trying to read this uh, biographies of the cancer patients etc all this yeah. like I'm, I'm expecting like can i crack the code maybe maybe i will accept the death mm-hmm. <laughs> mortality yeah. and like i remember i read this existential therapist book david irving yellow Mm. And then, like, I thought when I'm reading his book, I thought I'm going to find finally the court of acceptance. Like, of, how do I, how do I accept mortality? How do I, how do I accept eventually we all get booted off this ride and it exactly. ends? Honestly, I don't think that I will ever crack the court. I will ever, because I was thinking this, this is the thing, like human being and me specifically personality wise, really mm. like that. Yeah. I like certainty. I want to have certainty yeah. and I want to control as much as uncontrollable. Yeah. And when I was doing this, okay, maybe I'm preparing for the worst case scenario with yeah. Katie. Yes. Then I realized that I said to myself like a couple of weeks, there's no way that you will be less upset if Katie yes. will pass away. There is no You can't prepare yourself. It will nothing like, nothing will, you do, no dry no mental dry runs that you take yourself and no amount of emotionally trying to prepare yourself could could ever take. It's like you know that this is the pain will be still the same pain. Yes. Like you are leaving yeah. this pain now doesn't yeah. really gonna ease the pain later on. No. And when I started to realize think you are I just I said think you are wasting my your, yourself, you are wasting yes. your own time. Yes. Yeah. Plus, you're wasting Katie's time because every moment with Katie is so precious. Yeah. And Katie is far away from that moment. Mm-hmm. But your wife, like you don't, because you don't know how many years this will, maybe lifetime. She yeah. maybe outlive me, maybe not. We don't know any of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah. But why you need to bother yourself don't and be- absorb mm-hmm. yourself into preparing for something that might happen, which is, yeah, it yeah. might happen. And so has it changed how you, because I very much, my conversation with Katie, I like that this is, mm. talked about the gift of cancer in mm. some ways, that it's changed how she lives day to day, how she perceives her outlook on, on life has changed, her, her, you know, appreciation and gratitude for, for, for just normal things now. And has it changed how, I guess, you have a deeper appreciation of day to day, of day to day with Katie in a way that you maybe would never have had previously it sounds a bit trite but i think the depth of it is actually quite profound and you realize that like this this person is a gift this moment is a gift this cup of tea breakfast croissant with this person in my kitchen is a gift like all of these little things suddenly become momentous and spectacular that you get to do them with this other person i don't know i've kind of overblown it there but i think it does take you to a very granular moment by moment awareness of just how precious and amazing life can be 
you know, but also how sad and tender and you know difficult. I think because when you, this is <laughs> what I said to my friend here in Dallas, the closest friend, I said, before the cancer diagnosis, by the way, when I was here, I told him, I remember I told him that finally in the second chapter, I found my soulmate. <laughs> I mean, in my second pair. And yeah. because I like, because the loneliness, like how are you going to adapt to life? All these kind of things, right? Yeah. There is one thing you need to do if you deal with the cancer mm -hmm. is that you need to kind of like accept the mortality fact. Yeah. If you ignore the fact, it doesn't help. Huh? There's a fine balance. Don't absorb by that too much yeah. or absorb unnecessarily. Yeah. But there is, it's a very fine balance. You can go either side. Right. Yes. And sometimes you're mentally, it's too much up and down emotionally and mentally. You feel your brain sometimes like, overloaded yeah or because you don't let the thoughts go left and right without like engaging with them because you constantly engage with them and then if somebody does sometimes like i was thinking that if somebody do my brain scan probably they will see all heat map overworking. <laughs> just, just the whole thing is red the whole thing is a heat map yeah well, like my therapist says after every session mm -hmm. i ask her and now she fed up with the question by the way and i ask her Am I on the right path? <laughs> like what I'm asking is, am I on the right path? Means that this emotional, what I'm feeling step by is step, this, et cetera. Is this, is, is, this, this, is this normal? Is it going to get me, I don't know, to acceptance or to a better exactly. way of dealing with this? Just, yeah, I don't care if I'm not there yet, but am I at least in the right direction? I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> and it's just like, it's like my question is like, there's the playbook. Yes. The playbook is that being husband of a yeah, wife with yeah, a yeah, cancer. Yeah. How am I scoring? How am I scoring? And How am I doing? Emotionally, this week I was very angry. This last week I was crying. And the week before there was grief. And I was like, do you think that these are, according to the playbook, yes. does it really meet the criteria of the checklist? <laughs> yes, exactly. Are... are these normal data points that you would predict on the, you know, the graph of correlation between your yes, supportive I mean, partner this... and sadness? Yes, I get you. I get you. <laughs> I mean, this yes. is like, I said, why you are so German sometimes? Why you think that? Like, I take the box, next is this one, one plus one. Yeah. So she said, if you ask me one more time, I'm going to ignore your question. <laughs> because she's not, uh, she's not having any of it. Because she, I don't want to. Because I don't want to engage, because if I engage, then I'm going to your reassurance path, which right. I don't want to do. And yeah. I said, fair enough, absolutely. Because she said, there is nothing right or wrong in terms of how you feel. Your this experience is, like, is your experience. Exactly. Yeah. What you are going through is a very uncharted territory for you. Yeah. And there is nothing that everybody will go differently. Like Katie's cancer unique by itself is like your, how yeah. you go through those is also unique by itself. Therefore, yeah. she's told me, don't try to control those or don't question, is this the right feeling or not, etc. Yeah. But um, you know that every week is different. Yeah. Every month is different. Yeah. Because you know what is happening is now, what, with the cancer, this is the standard practice, right? You get checked every month. Mm -hmm. Not definitely the scan, but blood control yeah. minimum, right? Yeah. For a month, you live your own life, mm -hmm. like trying to continue your life as normal as possible. Yeah, like live nothing, with it. Hap nothing yeah. happening, like because cancer is not sudden death, right? Mm -hmm. It evolves all the time. Even your tumor grows, probably you are not going to feel in one month period. Mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. <laughs> but as soon as the one month over, when you go to the doctor to get blood checked or CT checked, that moment you go back to the reality 
Of it really being, of you really having cancer. Yeah, yes. there's one month you forget, and then yeah. you go there, one month, and it takes usually, this is the pattern now. Yeah. Like Katie is going through the same. I felt after the first month, second month, it was less. After probably each month, after the appointment, it takes probably three, four days, you adjust back to normal again. After the shock again of, of becoming aware again that you actually have yeah. cancer and it, it's in the foreground rather than receded for, yeah. For, yeah. Yeah. Katie's got this time four days. Mine was three days this time. Mm. First month, when we really talk about the impact of this targeted therapy, mm-hmm. we talk about survival rate, mortality rate, and all mm-hmm. this. You know what? Mine took seven days. Yeah, that's heavy. That's that's very heavy. Seven that's days. a whole other like level grief. of yeah. That's a whole other level of acceptance, isn't it? That yeah. you, you have to get yourself to. And and I don't think these things happen quickly. Like it titrates. No. It takes a long time for it to drip through and for you to become accustomed to it. You know. You know what, Claire? The one thing is when I still found it really unbelievable. Like from the first week. When did, can you imagine like first five weeks, every week she was talking to you? Yeah. You remember? Yes, and of course. Now we are making the podcast. How do you make yeah. the podcast out of that? Yeah. That's something unbelievable, honestly, yeah. if you think yeah. about that. Yeah. And I remember when she sent me the trailer of the podcast, I started to cry. And I remember, again, I was flying somewhere, okay? And I was at the airport. I started to cry, but the cry was like sad and happy cry. Mm. But in, in one way, it was like, oh, my God, this is my wife. Yeah. I mean, I, am, I mean, there, there was so much pride. Like, I was so proud of her. Like, I was like, look at her. I can <laughs> like, like, this is my wife. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, I said, how lucky I am. Look at me. Well, because everyone will say, if this woman is such a smart girl, and then they probably picked a smart husband as well. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> we reflect on you. I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> because at the end, you were cooking and so sweet. Yeah. Yeah, but like, no, just joke once. No, I know. It I know, was I know. really that was like unbelievable pride. Uh, what in she, what she did, like the you know this her voice, this alpha yeah. voice. Yeah, but yeah. Alpha yeah. voice in a way, confident. Yeah. Self confidence yeah. that I hear in her voice from the first moment when she left me voicemail, even with before the first date, it was mm. exactly the same voice for me, yeah. and. I was like, really? That's okay. That's yeah. You, there's no change. I remember that yeah. when I would listen to the trailer, it put me back because you know, you, you know, we met, we met through the app, dating yes, app, yes, right? Yes, yes, and, yes, yes. And I remember because in the dating apps, you constantly write. Excuse the millennials, you constantly write rather than pick up the phone and talk. Yes, right? yes, yes, yes. Katie was unusual. She, she left you voicemail. Voicemail. She left voicemail. Yeah. And then I heard the voice. I said. This, this is, is it. Unbel- this is it. Like the voice was so, like strong, like yeah. confidence and etc. And when I was so her voice called you in, basically. Yes. So Wow, Katie's voice is back magnetic. I love it. Exactly. That trailer. We should have made a podcast t- sooner. God, <laughs> how incredible! I didn't know that was it. So that's so so. I guess she, she's always talked to you. So yeah. Yeah. From yeah. the moment she always like she hates when I write. She says always call me. Don't yeah. write me or whatever. Yeah. That was exactly like, I just remember like, I literally connected that moment four years ago, like when she left that voicemail to me. Yeah. I said to Katie, I want to be in the second series. You go, Dench. Here you go. Yeah. You got, your wish came true. Your wish came true. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Um, but I think this is still, we are really still at the beginning of the journey yeah. because we are still like 
almost like three and a half months is nothing. Yeah. And I'm sure that how many different emotions we're going to... All of the them. Same, yeah, all same emotions, maybe like vicious cycle, they will come yeah. back all or goes away, come back and all this. Yeah. But I think... It's yeah, not linear. I don't think any of this is linear. This is the only thing that I felt clear is that I was always questioning myself, my inner child, okay? Mm-hmm. I want to be mature. But inner child is not a bad thing. Inner child is a great no. thing at the end. But I think I felt this period, I felt the inner child really disappeared. Mm. I, uh, I really felt, mature is not the word, but mentally, okay, I'm entering a different age phase now. Yeah, well, you're um, thrown into a kind of adult, what adult, I don't, I mean, adult's not the right word, but you're forced to get up to speed and become an expert on something that none of your life previously has prepared you for. And to make those leaps and grow at that rate is really tough and nothing can prepare you for it. You're just suddenly no, thrown exactly. from, and it does feel like a childhood, I think. You have a naivety and I think in an innocence before something like this happens yeah. that you don't have before. So whether we call it like a childhood or an adulthood, I don't know, but I hear, I understand what you mean. Like, yeah, the world is not as it was. You've lost, no, some, think, and, uh, you've lost an innocence, yeah. And I think yeah. it's not unique for me. I think it's the same for anyone yeah, who, will, absolutely. who will go through this because nothing can prepare you for that. And I think, you know what? I remember Dr. Popat said, <laughs> because I was trying to normalize in my mind this targeted therapy. Mm-hmm. Like I said, you remember, I was like saying to him, hey, you know, this with the HIV treatment now, it was like still not curable, but treatable. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I feel like maybe this is also one of that. Mm-hmm. Like it's not curable, but it's treatable, right? Mm-hmm. This is terminology you learn. But he said, yes, you're right. It's very similar, but cancer is smarter. Mm-hmm. And I now understand what it is because I never, this cancer is a beast compared to anything. Honestly, there's... Yeah. It's like a living, dynamic beast at the end of the day. It finds a, finds a way to do it, yeah. yeah. There yeah. is nothing can prepare you for that. But I'm learning really to be grateful from, for um, many aspects of that because mm-hmm. of like maybe making me like appreciate some of the things that I didn't really, I was seeing that as given. Mm-hmm. Now I, I see those things differently, yeah. really differently. But thank you very much. Thank you very much. For, Sorry, for I, making, I, I can't remember what thank you is in Turkish. Error. Ha, hang on, hang on. I've got it on my phone. I've got it on my phone. <laughs> this is not an easy I one. Wanted to, I wanted to say thank you. Well, I'm going to say um, Gurusharas. Yeah. Yeah. That's see Does that you. mean see you soon? See you soon. See yeah. you. Yeah. And then see you soon. And I'm also going to say, oh, yeah. Tesekur Ederim. Oh, my God. No, that's wrong, isn't it? What is it? That's, thank you very much. It. This is a very polite way. Thank you very much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's I just think... thanks? What's thanks? Teşekkür. Teşekkür, but you. Teşekkür. Like, I'm not pronouncing or, it right. Teşekkür. Or you, you, beca- you can be like posh white Turks in Istanbul and okay. say merci. Oh, can I say merci? Yeah. I didn't know yeah, you speak well, a bit of French. Okay. I'm going to stick well, to my. Darling, this, there is no French word merci in Turkish, no, but, no, but, this, but. Okay. But it's, Porsche okay. White Turks. Porsche White Turks say mercy. Okay, but I'm going to stick with my I'm going to stick with my corner shop Turkish that I've learned, which is uh, which is teşekkür teşekkür ederim. This is the only way I know the Turkish, and this is the only way our cat understands my Turkish. Is it well. okay? Uh, exactly. Oh, and I've got one more before we go. Um, yeah. İgecele. <laughs> not not yet for you. Yes. Uh, not... Oh yeah, for me it's not for you. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, listen. Thank you so much. It was really like. Thank uh, you. Uh, very nice therapy. Thanks a lot for that.
Merhaba, teşekkürler. Ho, ho, ho. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, merhaba. Teşekkür ederim. You little squat. Squat? I no, know. you little squat. No, no, no, you little squat. <laughs> squat. Squat, you little squat. You do squat. a brilliant squat, Claire. I do. I do. Squatting and squatting. You, had, you really showed me up there, didn't you, with your old Turkish. Thanks no, for that. It, look, look, it was the same Turkish words I knew three years ago at your, at your wedding. I haven't learned any more since then. <laughs> um, just so I could say something to the, to the Turkish contingent at your wedding and that was it. But I haven't learned any more since. Well, it's better than me, so well done. But how did you feel listening back to that interview. I'm going to be really honest here and share the anxiety I had prior to the chat with him. And I was, I was... I'm not surprised. It's a big thing to like, you know, it's exposing potentially. I was, I was messaging you before, wasn't I? I was like, um, yeah. so I'm a bit worried, but I'm just going to totally trust the two of you. It's cool. I'm going to just let it go. And obviously, you know, I was like, ah, oh. the only thing I said to him was, Dinch, just speak slowly because, you know, people can be thrown a bit by his accent, but I think he made quite an effort to speak slowly and clearly. He's got a mixture of Turkish and German because he grew up in Turkey, but he was educated in a German school. So Mm -hmm. it's a funny mix, but I love his accent. I've always loved his accent. I still do. I love his turns of phrases. I love the the pace and enthusiasm with which he speaks. I find it really compelling to listen to. And he's just as articulate and radiant and warm as you are. Oh, he's my perfect match. Yeah, he's he's a real love. He's a great life partner lover Soulmates. he really is yeah. amazing but yeah. do you know what's really interesting in turkey that they i think i said to you when i went on the hammam didn't i the name of the woman that was scrubbing me down meant princess She's princess and Dinch's yeah. name his name actually means full of energy really yes and i find I it so it. interesting because that is what he is it's captured he, him it really yeah. has Despite yeah. the anxiety, yeah, I was also really excited for you and him to speak. And I think listening back to it, you know, we talk a lot, Dinch and I, you know, there's there's a lot that we talk about in our in our lives. We always have. And so there was nothing new that I hadn't heard him say, but it felt kind of, well, it was interesting hearing it all packaged in one go. Mm. And I was quite sort of, uh, proud in awe like and kind of happy that he was so fluent in his feelings yeah. and he was really able to express himself and he really understood what it feels like to have someone you love and you're so close to going through this and I think he's handling it really well as well hearing him speak you know he was very honest wasn't he about the ups and downs yeah. You know, the crying and the grieving and all of that that goes with it. So I think that that was good that he was able to talk about all of that stuff. It's a bit surreal that he was talking about me. Yeah, I can imagine. He was talking to you about me. About me, yeah. It's a kind of setup that would sort of never happen otherwise. (laughs) Yeah, were it not for this. Yeah, Yeah. so that that did feel a bit weird. But I think... Yeah, it was it was really important, I think, for him to have a voice on this. I talk so much about him and I think, it, you know, I hope it's interesting for the listeners to hear his side of things. And, and I'm sure a lot of the people listening will relate to him and be in that position themselves. Yeah, because it, it has a ripple effect, I guess. It so I think I said that on the, earlier, but, you know, when someone gets sick, you know, like it has it sends out shockwaves and everyone's affected. And and as, as Dinch said, there's no playbook for this you don't get given a manual for how you're meant to get through it or cope or think or an understanding if if your feelings and reactions are normal it just is your experience and as you say like to have reached a place where he can talk about it so volubly so clearly and in such detail 
with such lack of retinence, I think is a really good quality that he's able to bring it all out and externalize it and talk about it and share. And as a result of that, share it in a way that I reckon will be really helpful for people. It really yeah. resonated with me when he talked about going to therapy and wanting to know how, you know, how he is on the checklist because yeah. that was exactly what happened to me. The first time I ever went to therapy was when my dad was diagnosed with cancer and there mm. was an amazing charity which I actually don't think exists anymore because I, I used to give them money every month and I don't think they're going anymore. It's called the Cancer Counselling Trust, or it was. And it was free counselling service for anyone affected with cancer in any way. And so I went because I thought, right, I just need the tools to know how to deal with the fact that my dad's got terminal cancer and I'm going to go and I'm going to sit with a stranger and every week I'm going to come away and I will have learnt something and, you know, I probably won't make notes and, you know. And, of course, it's not like that because everyone's different and there is no rule book to how to handle this kind of thing. You just have to... As I've said before, lean into what you're feeling and feel it. Mm. I know yeah. it's easier. I said couldn't than agree done, more. But. Lean into what you're feeling, and and also I think I've learned something really huge from you. Is talk about it. Try if you can to talk about it. The difficult bits, the upsetting bits, the bits that you're scared of. Try and find a way to talk about those too, and bring those out of you. And not even just share it but just as I think Dinch said that as well to like hear himself talk about this and kind of give it a narrative and shape it and understand it a bit better from hearing yourself talk I think is an important part of this as well I feel as an observer even the word yeah. cancer is something people struggle to say and he admitted that as well when he chatted to you and I think yeah that's also really you know really interesting that like you know, we kind of try not to, we try to suppress words and talking yeah. in order to feel better, but it's got to go somewhere, I'm, I'm sure yeah, of got, that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So better out than in. And that's why we're doing this podcast, Talking With Cancer. So it's a perfect full circle. Yeah, it is. Um, so thank you for being so lovely with him and just so caring. Oh, he's a treasure. That's an easy job. And he's an absolute treasure. So, <laughs> he did yeah. talk a lot. It was good. It was good, though. It was really good. Well, I guess that's it for this week. That's then. it for this week. It is. Yeah, it's just a little short one from us, isn't it? Yeah, a little short one from us. But we'll get Dinch back probably later. Oh, I don't know about that. Somewhere. I think he's had... Oh, you don't think, no, you don't think we will? Thank that's you. it. Thank he's you had his time in the sun. All right, then, Dinch. Toodle pips. That was it. <laughs> well, listen, my love, we will chat again uh, next for week. For sure. Have a good one. Mwah. Thanks, Love Claire. you. Bye. Bye, love. Thanks for listening to this week's Talking With Cancer. Feel free to share the show or give us a review on Apple's podcast, Spotify or Google. It could help other people find out about us and might help someone you don't know who's got questions about cancer. Please get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Either via our Instagram, which is talking underscore with cancer, or you can email us hello at talkingwithcancer.com. See you next time. Bye.